Hello, and welcome to Everything is Awesome with Kirby and Justin. Kirby, how are you? Awesome, Justin. How about yourself? I'm awesome. If you're a fan of IndyCar, then it's no surprise. Everything is awesome. Great song. Did you know that song was written by a, a certain Mark Mothersburg from Devo, Kirby? Uh, I don't even know the song. What song are we talking about? Uh, it's from the Lego movie, Everything is Awesome. Cause, and uh, I think it applied very well to both the uh, Roger Penske interview and Mark Miles interview you sent to me. There's no series in the world that has more going for it. No auto racing series in the world it has more going for it than IndyCar. I'm sure it's obvious to everybody. Everything is awesome. Curb, let's, uh, uh, let's just get to all things IndyCar as we always do. I, I think the first thing out of the gate I'm just going to hit you with it flat. Are you ready? Sure. Was it a terrible race or a S show, as uh, some of our favorite people like to say, and they wasn't the only one? Or was it an entertaining spectacle or somewhere in between? What say you? I'm going to go somewhere in between. Get, you know, there's there's some show races that turn out well and some races that don't, and that's just life, isn't it? That's just racing. I think suffice to say there was lots of embarrassing driving going on. In fairness to the drivers, it, that service, you knew that's what was going to happen, right? Uh, with the newly repaved surface, you go a little bit offline and you're just you're you're just out. This is where I kind of come in conflict with a lot of people calling it an S show. Is that let's let's be real here? You go six inches a foot offline. And you're you're out. I mean, you're you're off the track. That's a pretty high standard to hold any driver to in a race. Well, or, or you're into another car. <laughs> right. The car gets but, in your way as you're headed off. Yeah, the but track. you know what I'm saying. I mean, right. I, I think that's a super high standard. So compare it to the ovals where they complain about there not being a second groove, right? You try to you go into second groove and try to make a pass, and you're on the ice, and you and you go into the pits because there's not traction. It's the same thing here. Only it's on a road course because you have a newly paved track that hasn't been worn in yet. That's why it's not an S show. I, and that's I think that's where I fall on this. It's not an S show. It's like a very unusual set of circumstances at the track. It's the last race of the year. So, you know, kind of let's – no holds barred. Let, let's go. For those who are uh, – including they or said, oh, I just wanted it to end, you know, by the after the first <laughs> five laps, I object to that. It's like – and, you know, a lot of guys had nothing to lose. And, okay, it was uh, – to me, it was kind of interesting from that standpoint. You know, I, it was engaging from that standpoint. I understand the whole concept. It's like, oh, it's kind of embarrassing. You know, these are supposed to be the best drivers in the world, and they do all this. I get that. I don't think you'd ever see this happen in the world of Formula One, for example. I mean, first of all, those cars, you know, the second you, you, know, you touch them, they break. You can have them all – Drive like perfect gentlemen, and uh, it'd be the most boring race of the year. Right, or you can have people, people attacking people, you know, on different strategies, on different tires, and trying to make things happen, and unfortunately, sometimes paying the price for for taking the risk. Having said that, Curb, I think a few people did kind of distinguish themselves as, you know, yeah. Well, come on though. Uh, I know the worst one in my mind, but I... I okay, know. that's what I was going to ask you. I was trying to figure an elegant way to ask you the question. I don't know that I mean the worst driver, but I mean, I just... I felt the worst four, and it just was like, you know, if if you weren't sure if it was time, Helio, I think... Ah, you know, it's time. Yes. 
Bingo. I, I, you, you, you nailed it in one. Of course you did. That was unbelievable. Yeah, I just hated that for him. I mean, um, <laughs> you know. What a way to end your career. I mean, looking like a complete buffoon. I, I, you know, I'm sorry, Elio, if you're listening to this, but that was just screaming, retire me now. He well, nearly took he nearly took Palau out, who's leading the race at the time. Yeah. <laughs> he oh, was yeah. all over the place. <laughs> like a bouncing oh. ball trying to take out everybody. Well, that one, he just drove it back in the middle of the track. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's uh, like, for what? You're in like 20th. Well, you know, for what? It's pride. Yeah, and 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 thus the the comment, which is like, hey, dude, it's time to retire. Let's try to move on, Curb, shall we? Okay, let's. Here's a question for you. Okay. I'm guessing that your favorite current IndyCar driver is Will Power. Yes, that's fair. Okay, I will say the same. My current favorite IndyCar, the guy I find myself like, where is he? What? How is he doing? It's always willpower. Okay. Right. So I think we'll both confess to that. So let's forecast into the future here. Willpower is no longer racing. Probably two years from now, I would guess. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Who then amongst the current field is going to replace willpower as your favorite driver? And I think I asked this because I'm not so sure I haven't come to my conclusion uh, on the basis of the weekend in Sonoma. You know, honestly, usually my number two is Newgarden, and so I don't know why that would change unless he becomes more churlish over the ensuing years. I think he will. Well, that, that may be, and then I might have to move on to Scotty McLaughlin or something like that. But um, but for the moment, I I'm you know who I'm going to say, Curb? Can you guess? Uh, I was going to guess Scotty McLaughlin. He's a close second, I would say. Close second or third. Uh, well, he seems like you're. Kind of a kind of guy with an attitude you would appreciate. That's what that It's true, but actually the guy I'm gonna pull for here is not does not have much of an attitude. Doesn't have any attitude, or has a uh, a less likable attitude. No, I, I think he's quite likable. He's uh-huh. a guy that I'd probably like want to be friends with. Well, it has to be Fro. Exactly. Well done, Curb. He's friends with everybody. <laughs> I I like him. He's very uh, grounded in his view of the world and where he sits in it. He seems very at comfort with himself and where he's at. We've all talked about his inability to close and, you know, who knows why all that is. But at the end of the day, um, he's a very likable guy and you want to see him do well. And it's he's an easy guy to root for. Certainly a likable guy or but unfortunately for him, I mean, this weekend was kind of a microcosm of his career, right? Shows speed, gets a pull, but can't close the deal, as you said. I think that um, he's an easy guy to root for, but I'm not sure how close to the front you're going to see him for the next couple of years. Well, with that team. The other thing I'm looking at, like longer term here, Curb, and I'm going to put two names out here as like who's looking like the future to me, and that is uh, McLaughlin and Lungard. I think McLaughlin, like he next year will be his coming of age year for sure. And Lungard's looking really strong as well. Um, anybody else you'd like to, I mean, Palau's an obvious here curve, so I'm not including that, but um, anybody else you'd want to throw in that grouping? Uh, I think Linus Lundquist is in a position. To, if he can take what he did with that 60 car that nobody else has been able to do much with, um, 
and transfer that ability to, I guess it's Ericsson's car in the last few years, right? I mean, I think he ought to be somebody to be reckoned with. Kind of a, a the next Kirkwood, if nothing else, maybe better. Um, That's fair. But Armstrong's a bit more of a question mark, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he looks like he has promise, but um, again, he's he he either he or his team had trouble executing on Sundays too. So yeah, um, Kirk, um just to finish off here at Laguna Seca, well, Yuri Vips better, uh, or say Ray Hall better sign Yuri Vips quickly, or uh, Ganassi might take him too. <laughs> Ganassi, Zach Brown, uh, Ed Carpenter racing. Somebody, somebody ought to be calling him. That's for sure. That's for sure. Um, Curb, I read an article. They've put 18 million bucks into Laguna Seca Raceway in between <clears> the paving <throat> and the other improvements they made there. And I, I got to tell you, my over and under on my 5,000, I'm pretty sure I you took the over, and I'm pretty sure it was the under as far as attendees. I felt pretty confident watching that race that I was the, the winner on that wager. No, I, I disagree entirely, emphatically. I saw no one there. So there were lots of cars or people in the. Uh, I think if you watch the, the video year on year there, Curb, no improvement and maybe worse. I thought the track did look good though, and I thought that uh, I mean not just the, not just the racing service, but I mean, you know, it's, I know it's a long time since you and I attended a few races there back in the nineties, but. Um, there seemed to be a lot more infrastructure there than I remembered. Our oh, visits, like I said, they've put real money into this. What's going on in Laguna Seca? I mean, I guess you know, I mean, you know, there was a there was talk not many years ago that the place was you know dead, like you know the real estate's worth too much, blah 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 blah. It's like never gonna you know the the noise, neighbors hate it, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, you know, like there's a, a renaissance going on there. What's going on there? I have no idea. It was kind of a surprise to me because, like you said, you heard all this negativity about it. Um, I'm glad they're putting money back into it and, and uh, positioning it well for the future, it looks like. Yeah. Curb, um, are you holding on to your seat? Yes, I am now. Okay, please grasp firmly. I have to agree with you. Marty Schneider does a good job. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he was good. He was good. I you know, I never paid attention to Marty before until I started making fun of you for liking him so much. But I have to say, he does a good job. Well, you know, it's not a championship race if Marty Snyder's not there. So, uh, <laughs> well, that's funny. You also predicted his return at Laguna Seca, which he did, and I thought that was funny. And the fact they would be presenting, which yeah, I'm sure you wanted to talk about, but again, total embarrassment. I think he did. I think he does a good job during the races, you know, during the Peacock shows and um, considering the position they put him in at the championship presentations, he does a good job with that too. Yeah. Uh, Curb, um, we talked about the Isle of Man last podcast. Yes. TT race, motorcycle thing. 265 deaths to date at that race. Do you have a feel for how many of those are in recent years or is that a, you know, kind of like a lot of racing where a lot of the deaths happened, you know, I didn't break it down there. It is the longest running motor race in the world. Is it? Yes. But 265 deaths. It's growing in popularity. It's growing uh, massively in popularity. The guy we were talking about uh, last podcast, Peter Hickman, who has the record there now, you know, he's asked why he thought, A, the thing was growing in so much popularity as of late and uh, and that. And he, he basically said, because, you know, 
people are tired of the super safe, you know, world that uh, people are trying to make for us and that people want to see the gladiators out there, you know, risking it all. And I, I think I tend to agree with them. Yeah, no, I mean, and I know they're trying to sanitize sports too, but um, what, you know, what else would explain the popularity or the apparent popularity of, uh, you know, MMA and cage fighting and all those. Oh, things? look, it's not apparent. I was at one of those things recently, the okay. UFC and it's not apparent popular it is very popular and it is it's like the old gladiator days it's insane i i am not a fan but i was captivated i'll be honest well it just seems funny because you know they've they've kind of done as much as they could to bring safety into you know boxing or to bring safety into football or to bring safety into all these sports that have a history of of you know violence and and a physical toll on the combatants. But at the same time, MMA rises from nothing to be one of the more popular spectator sports going, right? Oh, it's an incredible franchise. And, you know, Robin Miller always said it, you know, I mean, like, it's the danger. It's the, it is the danger that attracts people. I don't, it's, it's, maybe it's sad to say, maybe it's like a bad commentary on our society, but it is the danger that attracts people. And I, I don't think we're getting away from that, no matter how hard we try. No, even if it's um, watching other people um, take on the danger, we all it's it's in us, all of us somewhere, right? That people need to have. It's in us. It's in us. Right. Curb, uh, the video game fate remains uh, somewhat circumspect, wouldn't you say? Sure sounds like it. <laughs> I mean, they've gone from, oh, you know, it's still going to happen. It's all going to be good. It's just delayed to, well... We're not sure. Maybe we we have a plan B. But boy, if it makes it over the finish line, it's going to be spectacular. Right? <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. I mean, everything's everything is awesome. I mean, I guess my question is, if you're that gung ho about it, why aren't you investing in it? Right? To get it over the finish line. Exactly. Curb, um, I'm going to hand the show over to you here in a second. Uh, All right. So, as you were told innumerable times, if you watched any of the uh, presentation over the weekend. Uh, Brian Herta raced his old shell car, and then uh, Colton jumped in and did some laps in that um, as well it, on Wednesday, I believe it was. Really? I didn't hear anything about that. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. Just like you didn't hear anything about, you know, the Dixon ability to save fuel and, you know, uh, yeah. Save fuel? Heck, he makes fuel. D- Dixie dust. Um, yeah, I, I you know I, I always kind of defended Townsend Bell. I'm starting to come to your side of the equation on that. Anyways, that's an aside. I I sent you this quote and I think you read it. It's um and I'll just kind of fast forward to the good bits. It's what Colton Hurd has said after stepping out of his dad's 23 year old, 24 25 year old car, that just kind of struck me wrong. And he said. Of this 25-year-old car, he said, it's a bit more nimble, it's lighter and lower to the ground, smaller with shorter wheelbase. So performance-wise, it's a lot better than nowadays. Right. Painful to read, isn't it? Uh, painful to hear, painful to read. It's just like, uh, you know, are we really advancing? I mean, is the is the cost of good racing, like, making worse cars? Well, I think it's... Less expensive cars, too. True. You can't rain on the, the safety parade, and I'm sure uh, they're safer. 
and I'd imagine part of that has to uh, contribute to the length of the car because you know, get the feet away from the front nose going and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's you, you feel um, you know wrong like or bad or whatever to to always seem nostalgic for. I think you and I are nostalgic for the '90s. To me, a golden time for for kart, champ car, IndyCar, whatever you want to call it, racing. I still get entertained. I'm not. I'm not the the IndyCar fan that's going to watch YouTube races all winter long, but but I can go down the rabbit hole every now and then on YouTube and and really enjoy you know watching snippets of those times in those cars. And it's it's a mystery why we can't have something similar now with technology as advanced as it is and so on and so forth. And, and look, but but maybe the question I just asked is absolutely correct. Is like maybe that is the cost of that. And I mean, look at Formula One; they've got like the most advanced cars. And the racing's terrible. That's the negative comment. The positive comment is, I, you know, one of the things that occurred to me during qualifying at Laguna Seca is that it was amazing that a two-time race winner like Kirkwood could qualify towards the bottom, right? And that wouldn't be completely crazy. Like, it can definitely happen. Like, the, the series is that competitive. It's that close. A guy like Kirkwood can miss it by a little bit, and all of a sudden he's at the bottom of the qualifying. That doesn't happen in Formula One, for example. And I, I think that's to be celebrated with IndyCar. I, I don't think it should be held up as the only reason why IndyCar is great is like the competition's good, because I don't think that's good enough. That Those Roger Penske comments you said, just like, you know, the, the, great, the greatness of the competition cures all. I don't agree with that. But it is great competition, you have to admit. Yeah, I mean, you've got to be on your game every week. you got to be on your game on multiple styles of tracks. You know, we, we talk here about Andretti, right? They're strong on street courses in particular and, and not so strong on road courses or uh, ovals. And It still is the most entertaining motorsports, at least car motorsports, uh, venue to watch, in my opinion. We just need to get a few more million people to agree with us, right? <laughs> spread, the, <laughs> spread the gospel. Exactly. So on that, Curb, I'm going to hand it over to you. I'm going to encourage you to be brief because it's getting brief. late. Let's start off leader circle. Um, it's it's now uh, reached a high level of reporting, I, w- I must say. Any comments you have on uh, leader circle? I mean, like I said, by the time this I get this thing out, you know, everybody will know what the story is, but – Anything you want to throw through? We've been following it all year. Uh, everybody else is just Johnny come lately, frankly. That's right. We were here first. Um, major props to uh, Canapino and, and Hunko's Hollinger Racing. He was. We talked about five cars for three spots, and he was in the last position heading into the race and uh, had a really great race going for him. Obviously, they had that damage with the the wing, which dropped him back, but he was able to hang on and get enough points to vault from fifth in that group and 24th place. Jumped all the way up to 21st. and uh, Yeah, of all people, that's the guy I wanted to get the million bucks. Right. Unfortunately, you got Devlin DeFrancesco losing his gearbox, I guess, and um, fading. And I know there's controversy, but I got to admit, was while I was watching the race, he obviously needed to get off the track. He was well afoul of the 120% rule or 105% rule, whatever that rule is. And just unfortunate for him to come up one lap short of uh, – the place that would have got him over the top in the 22nd, apparently. You know, if I had to pick somebody to forego the million, it would have been him. He, and he made some errors in that race. And, uh, you know, he wasn't like a totally innocent victim. And he hasn't performed all year. Let's face it. He's had decent cars. He hasn't performed all year. 
he's only in it because he's a pay paid driver. Unlike the Canapino situation, I, I you know, I, what do you say? I'm not I'm not I'm not crying for for Di Francesco, not at all. And, no. And as you say, it's just like uh, missing a basket at the end of a basketball game, right? Well, you you could have made a bunch of baskets the first 59 minutes of the game, so or 45 minutes of the game. So same thing here. He had plenty of opportunities during the season to pad his score and uh, and failed to do so. Did you notice the uh, arms race that seems to be going on as it relates to hospitality tents for each team? I did. <laughs> it was it was uh, notable when Aaron McLaren showed up with their two-story um, uh, air-conditioned uh, hospitality suite a couple of years ago, and now uh, it seems like half the paddock has them at least. So yeah, you know whose whose place looks a little broke-ass now? Penske's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like circus tent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you and I think so like it's frightening at times. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that uh, upgrade in in uh, infrastructure that the teams are showing will start showing up on the uh, series side and and the presentation they make after the race, as you alluded to earlier. But I, I will not waste time on that tonight. You know, I think a, probably a year or two ago um, when Dixon reached um, Michael Andretti, I think, for second place, or uh, maybe Mario, I forget who it was, for second place on the all-time wins list, and there's a foregone conclusion that A.J. Foyt was out of reach. But uh, I don't know if that's for true anymore. Do you, how do you feel? Uh, I still don't think he's going to get there. The last three races, I have to admit, were uh, strategically uh, without fault uh, on Ganassi's part. You know, every year people will kind of figure out what they did and how they got there, and and that strategy less and less uh, prevalent. I, I I'm looking at the cliff here, and you might say Dixon's cliff is going to be a little later than say Elio's was, but I mean Elio, I mean a couple of years ago, Curb Elio was right in there, you know, and he fell off the cliff and. I can see the same thing happening with power. It's like you can almost see it coming with him. I don't think Dixon's going to be any different. He might just be a couple years later. Well, I think he's uh, 11 races behind him, race wins behind. Does that sound right? Uh, I'll take your word for it. Depending on how many years he wants to put in, I don't think it's beyond reason. Um, I just think he's going to hit the cliff before then. I, I do. And like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, <laughs> just watching Elio kind of. <laughs> Well, that, is a, that is a cautionary uh, pin, tale. I, pinball around there, uh, uh, come on, uh, you know you don't want to see that for Dixon. I, it was bad enough for Elio to see Dixon doing that in a couple years time or a few years time. I, I, you don't want to see it. I don't even want to see it. No, no, that's true. But uh, I don't think it's out of the question. But I, it's still a long shot. I'll, I'll agree with you there. Thermal million dollar all star race is that what they're calling it? Yeah. A good idea. I don't understand why Laguna Seca has to be in June, why it couldn't be in that period. Uh, well, the the working theory now is that it's rainy and muddy. and Yeah. You, you and I lived in that area. Uh, maybe. So let's just say, give it, let's just say the weather thing's right, that that's not going to work. Then let's go to, yeah, why not? Million dollars. That's kind of interesting. Sure, why not? I like it. I mean, we often criticize uh, IndyCar for lack of original thinking uh, and point to NASCAR with having it. So who's to say that this is bad? Well, when you put it that way, <laughs> I can't argue it. I, I'd enjoy it more if it was actually a spring training and not um, after the season started, you know, one race into the season. 
I guess this means spring training won't be at, at the thermal this year. No, if I see the um, draw of embedding a you know a rich country club member with a with an IndyCar driver and giving the country club member money, but um, claim there's going to be a, a a charity component in here before they uh, get to that time frame, and I'm sure they can do their best to to put a better face on it than what they're describing. Thermal doesn't bother me. I like like the fact that they're trying. I don't like the fact that Argentina's non-points paying. I, I, that seems stupid to me if that's what's going to happen. But, you know, if, if you're going to Argentina in December or something and it's three months after your season ended or something like that, I mean, I guess I, guess I can, can live with it. All right, Curb, you got two minutes. What else? Uh, nobody won the People Ready Challenge this year, right? Nobody won an oval street and road course. Nope. Yeah, that's the end of my uh, my list. Hi. Right. Uh, Hero uh, IndyCar X handle Twitter handle. Yes, yeah, X handle at Hero IndyCar at H I R O IndyCar sponsors South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. Mention this podcast to the owner Saul, and he will give you a generous discount. South Street Diner, Boston, Massachusetts. As we head into the off season, I think our show pace here might slow down a little bit. Is that fair? Dramatically. And so look forward to talking to everybody soon. Or not so soon. Well, the not too distant future. <laughs> there we go. So we'll take a, we'll take a bit of a break, recharge, and uh, be back. In the near future. Good night. Take care.